Welcome to Everyday Martial Artist, a weekly podcast where you'll join me, Brian Doucet, as I interview a different martial artist each episode and hear their story. Some guests you may have heard of, and some you probably haven't. Be sure to subscribe where all your favorite podcasts are available. Also, visit our website at everydaymartialartist.com. If you're listening for a specific interview, I sure hope you'll stay and check out the other episodes. A very special thank you to Topher Williams for our custom theme music. And now, the newest episode of Everyday Martial Artist. Everyday Martial Artist is brought to you by KOonline.com for all your martial arts needs. Sparring and safety gear, rank belts, uniforms, weapons, patches, and more. Wholesale supplies made by martial artists for martial artists. Visit us today at KO-Online.com. Hello and welcome to Everyday Martial Artist. I'm your host, Brian Doucette, and as we do every week, we're joined by a brand new guest talking about their life and their journey throughout the world of martial arts and everything else they're involved in. My guest today is a martial artist and podcast co-host who has studied multiple styles, married with three kids, and martial arts is a full family affair. He also loves classic cars and plays guitar. He's currently co-host of the Formless Podcast. Please welcome my guest today, Mr. Dustin Salsi. How are you doing today, sir? Awesome. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. Thanks I'm, for agreeing to it. You're helping me reach my goal of having every other martial arts podcast host on my show. So, <laughs> <laughs> Right on. That's a good goal. That's a good goal to have. I should have I should have had that one myself. It's going slow, but I'm getting there because more of them keep popping up. So <laughs> I may never actually do it, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, you know, uh, when when we started a year or so ago now, almost two, mm -hmm. I couldn't hardly find any. And uh, they just slowly like started popping into my feed. I guess I wasn't on the right algorithm. Mm -hmm. yep. Now it seems like there's just a boatload of them. When I first started in the research three years ago, there was, I found quite a few, but a lot of them were no longer doing it. Like some hadn't had episodes in a year and you know, some yeah. were only doing a handful of months. So like when I did it, I'm like, oh, this, will, this will be no problem. And literally within like the six months between researching and doing it, more started popping up and everything like that. But, you know, even though like I found, I found this list online and <laughs> kind of off topic right now, but I found a list online, like it, the list is the top 25 martial arts podcasts. Well, first of all, there's only 22 listed, which is hilarious. <laughs> I, I went through, I went through them out of the 22 listed like 10 of them hadn't had episodes in over six months a couple hadn't had episodes in like over a year and i emailed the guy who did the list i'm like i'm just curious first of all where do you get your list and how do you, and how does one get on there he's like well for this fee i'm like yeah okay never mind <laughs> yeah thanks but no thanks yeah. nope nope cool <laughs> but i know you said you listened to some episodes so you kind of know how we how we like to kick it off i want to go back to the beginning i want to know where that that first spark came from where that first interest in martial arts kind of started for you well two movies first one was uh so i gotta back up a little my okay. my dad was always in always watched uh sports growing up so anything on the tv so uh boxing kickboxing football basketball baseball wh whatever was was on you know it, if it was on and he was home we were watching it okay uh, and he'd always wrestle with us you know rough house and stuff like that so when a movie would come on he'd get super excited if it was uh, something that he had watched before and so I don't know if you remember the USA Network. Oh, yeah. I used to watch it a lot. Okay. Yeah. In the early 80s, they played all sorts of movies mm -hmm. and, and crazy TV shows. So if something came on that he liked when he was growing up, he would like it was a family event. Everybody had to come, you know, stop what you're doing. We're going to watch this movie. Nice. And two of them that came on, one of them was Enter the Dragon. Nice. And that like 
you know, as an eight or nine year old kid just mm-hmm. blew me away. That was the movie. Yep. And then uh, the other one was Billy Jack. <sighs> Sweet. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it, Billy Jack is a great movie, but it's not a great movie for its uh, story. You no, know, for no. its it, it it's it's not a, a production uh, you know feat. It didn't hold up as well as Enter the Dragon. <laughs> we'll say no, that no, no. But irregardless, yeah. Billy Jack was awesome, and the movie the movie is great, and I still watch it, and I do the same thing to my kids now, and, and make them watch movies that, that I love, and uh, th- nice. they uh, they begrudgingly do that for Well, me. see, my kids are the opposite. I don't make them. They're, uh, when they were young, I let them watch a few 80s movies, and my kids love it. I mean, if I'm watching yeah. 80s movies, they'll sit down and join in, and my daughter will be like, eh, I don't have homework tonight. What 80s movie can we watch? You know? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> all right, cool. We're watching Ferris Bueller tonight. We're watching War Games, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yep, exactly. My older two have the patience now to sit through it, you know. But my youngest one, who's nine, uh, he's like, can we watch cartoons? You know, <laughs> uh, but he'll he'll get there. I just keep inundating him with with it. There and, you, go. you know, it, they, I'll just break their will eventually. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. But those two movies were the the big ones. And okay. then um, my parents had a friend growing up who had a scuba diving accident and only had one arm. Oh, wow. But this guy, he's passed away since, and I unfortunately didn't get to interview him because he would have been a a great guest on Mm -hmm. my podcast. But he uh, was a black belt, and he just had this this lust for life, and he was always doing stuff. He was into cars. he, he, He ran triathlons. He did all sorts of stuff, and he was a black belt, and he was just super cool guy, and um. I just, I admired him from afar. You know, he was an adult. I was a kid. He didn't really interact with us a whole lot. He mainly was like hanging out with my parents, but there were a couple of things that he had done that was just really cool. Like I remember Nintendo was out. So my, my brother and I, you know, we had one TV, so Mm -hmm. we were, we would commander the TV uh, on like Friday nights after school. And it was like, my parents didn't mind because they could do their thing and, they knew where we were. So we're playing Nintendo and he happened to come over one day, one night and hanging out with the parents uh, and, and talking and he's watching us play video games and he sits down next to us on the floor and is like, Hey, can I play? And my little brother who's two years younger than me looks at him and I'll, I'll never forget it. goes, "Uh, you got one hand, you know, like you, there's no way you could do this. And he grabs the controller from my brother and within the process of about, you know, 10 minutes or so proceeds to, to school us. Nice. And it, it was, it was awesome. So, so that with a combination of the movies, uh, I just fell in love with the martial arts and that's what I wanted to do. That just like gave me a love for the martial arts. And, um, it was years later, uh, I was 12 years old. My parents, uh, there was an ad in the free newspaper for martial arts classes through the recreation center in my hometown. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd see that, you know, I delivered that paper as a kid and I would see that ad and like, Hey, you know, bug my parents. And my dad would always be like, no, nah, it's too expensive. You're not going to do that. You know, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. All these other excuses. And then uh, one, one day they're like, Hey, get some clothes on that you can 
you know, get dirty, get some sweatpants on and, a, and an old t-shirt. And we're like, what? Well, just, just do it. We got a surprise for you. And, and it was this martial arts class and, and, uh, we signed up and, and just fell in love with it. And, um, I continued to do it for uh, probably a year, year and a half. And then my dad lost his job and we had to move away and, uh, quit doing it for, oh gosh, oh, about 20 years. And which style yeah, was that? This was uh Wu Ying Gao, the style I got my black belt in okay. and it's an up obscure style. It was popular on the West coast in the eighties, seventies and eighties. And then it kind of, it kind of fell back into obscurity. Um, so it, it got started by a guy named Bruce Terrell in the late sixties, early seventies in, in uh, the Pacific Northwest in, in Portland, Oregon. And basically from my understanding, the story I've heard was that this martial artist was training a couple of different styles and going to the local tournaments and kind of, he had trained with a whole bunch of people, judo, Kong Su, which is a Korean style uh, that from my understanding is, is kind of a dead style now mm -hmm. and uh, Wing Chun and had some interaction with Bruce Lee around the same time when he was in Seattle. Okay. And from that kind of, and watching these tournaments uh, and maybe competing in a few, I, I'm not sure, came up with his, his own kind of a plan to, to participate in these, these turn, you know, these open karate tournaments mm -hmm. and came up with some tactics to be competitive in, in these tournaments and, and, and concepts. And so it, it grew from there and, and he had, he, he had a few people that, that, uh, liked what he was doing and, and he ended up eventually it sort of became like this club. Uh, you'd, you'd go to your, your uh, specific style of martial arts and train. And then maybe afterward go meet up with these, this group of guys. And uh, it grew from there and turned into a school. I don't know how much you follow karate tournaments and stuff, but like in the early eighties, uh, super Dan Anderson, Oh yeah. I've interviewed, okay. I've interviewed super Dan. He's been, oh, he's, been, oh. he's been on the show. So, okay. I'll have to find that and listen to it. Yep. He was, he was one of the, one of those guys. Uh, he does American freestyle karate and that's yep. kind of, that's kind of where that branched off into, uh, okay. from my, under, from my understanding. And so, um, yeah. Anyway, I got back into it in my thirties when I had kids of my own, uh, my wife, uh, was kind of looking for something for the kids to do after school. And I'm not a big giant sports guy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we did soccer and cross country and stuff. And I was like, well, we, I want to get them in martial arts. I don't care what kind, but that's what I want to do. One of my friends in grade school that started Wing Dao at the same time that I did kept going with it. Oh. And he ended up getting his black belt and running the school after our teacher moved away. He moved to Wisconsin. Okay. If you're actually looking for a, a great guest, Herb Blue is is the man to talk to. That guy can talk at length at martial arts. The guy's just super inspiring, awesome dude. Okay. Yeah. So he he was the my original teacher. He moved to Wisconsin. Basically sold the school to my my friend Blaine Court, who runs the school now. Mm -hmm. And uh, anyway, so so backing up here, uh, telling my wife that I want to get the kids into martial arts. I come home from work one day, and she's like, "Hey, don't 
get comfortable because we got a class to go to. The kids signed them up for martial arts <laughs> and it's at this guy's school in Anderson. We live in Reading. It's like a 15 minute drive. Like, don't sit down because we're going right now. We're going to be late. I'm like, holy cow, <laughs> totally serendipitous. I, I kind of put the bug in her ear, but I didn't, you know, I didn't sign him up myself. So okay. she signed him up, go down there. And, uh, he's like, well, when are you going to get on the mat? And I'm like, uh, how's tonight sound, you know, and, and, uh, just, you know, hit the ground running from there and, um, never stopped. I want to back up just a little. First of all, the, yeah. the, the original first year, did you ever get involved in the tournaments? You know, I didn't. Okay. Um, I, I, I wanted to, but I was always kind of a timid kid. I was not very aggressive. And uh, the fact that we sparred a lot mm -hmm. and we still do. And that always scared me. I did not do very well okay. sparring. And it took me a number of years and, and just getting punched in the face to yep. get used. And it was not something I wanted to do. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I, I just, I was just scared, um, <laughs> you know, okay. and, uh, so yeah, so that wasn't anything I, I, I did, but I just found that it gave me, I just loved practicing and okay. now I spar well before I got my new job, mm -hmm. uh, I was there three days a week, four days a week and sparred just about every single time I was in the door. Um, now I don't get to do it as much because mm -hmm. of my new job, but, uh, yeah, I, I love it. So a little bit more in that first year to talk a little, little bit about Herb. What was it about him? What made you during that um, first year just fall in love with it? And, and what, what was kind of stood out about him? Well, he, first of all, he's an amazing teacher. Okay. Uh, he's got the patience of Job with kids and he just had this, this ability to give somebody self-confidence to at least try, you know, he, he, he was, he is still, we actually, for my black belt, uh, me and my partner my co-host on the show, uh, Tyler, us two and three other guys all tested for our black belt at the same time. Cool. And we flew him out from Wisconsin to come stay uh, in, in California for a week and give everyone lessons and just kind of, you know, really make sure that we're, we're on, a, on our game and ready to go when, when the day came. And uh, he just has this ability to, uh, he was, he's the best teacher I've ever had. Okay. Of, you know, irregardless of subject. Okay. Um, he, you know, he, yeah, he, he just, uh, if there were more teachers like him in the world, I, I probably wouldn't, I, I'd have been a doctor or a lawyer <laughs> or, or some, some other great profession, you know, okay. instead, instead I'm a salesman. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And during that 20 year break at any time, did it pop back into your head? I mean, was there any time where you're like, maybe I should do it. Or maybe you looked up a school or something, or was it just kind of always. not there? Really? Okay. No, I always did. Um, what I stopped you? Uh, you know, honestly, I don't have a good excuse for that. I okay. was into a lot of other things. Okay. Uh, I played guitar. I was in a couple of bands. I was messing around with cars a little bit. Uh, got into, you know, typical high school stuff. Mm-hmm just, you know, uh, distracted, just distracted and, and not really, um, 
a good excuse. But, you know, if I happened to be in, in town and there was a martial arts school, I would, I'd look through the window or check it out, watch a class of whatnot, or any kind of a demonstration, I, I would stop and, and check it out. Nice. But yeah, I, I, I really, I don't know what it was that, that kept me from getting back in there. I always kind of wanted to, mm-hmm. but, um, just didn't really have the time nor the means. Uh, that's not really a good excuse. I didn't have the means mm-hmm. a lot of times when we moved away and I quit going, uh, money was kind of tight. There was four kids in our family or there are four kids in our family. And then my grandma lived with us a lot of times. So if there was money for extracurricular things, it had to be something that everyone was going to do or it, it really wasn't going to happen. Okay. So, you know, it was kind of that, that kind of thing. Or, you know, if you wanted to do it and raise the money yourself, by all means, we'll find a way to get you there. Yeah. So that kind of thing happened. And, and, uh, yeah, I I get that. I get when life gets in the way and (laughs) like, trust me, I'm the, I'm the definition of that. So I I completely (laughs) understand that. Now you you mentioned your black belt test. Talk a little bit about that. Obviously, you know, talk actually two things, talk a little bit about that and talk a little bit about the style. Cause it's like you said, it's, it's an unknown style that a lot. So if you had to describe it to someone who, who maybe understood martial arts, but never heard of that style before. Yes. So it's, um, it morphed from being a point fighting focused on competition thing to more of a self-defense kind of style. Uh, it's probably closer to like Krav Maga or, or Jeet Kune Do oh, wow. uh, than like say Kempo or Taekwondo. Yeah. We don't really practice forms at all. Uh, we do require you about halfway through your your uh, journey, so to speak, to make up your own kata or form, um, just to kind of give you a chance to show off what you've learned. Mm-hmm. So uh, you you make up a, a quick form, usually you know thirty seconds, a minute, maybe two minutes of just the different types of techniques that you know. And so it's mainly focused on on sparring and stuff. But the cool thing about it, and one of the things that I've always admired about it, Bruce Terrell, and I believe this came from him, and somebody hopefully listening to this can correct me later. But my understanding was Bruce was fairly open-minded when it came to things that worked. So if, if somebody came in and was like, Hey, you know, checked out this new technique, whether it be like elbows or knees, which aren't necessarily allowed in, in point fighting, but if it worked, see, uh, you know, it was like, Hey, let's use it. And he, uh, from my understanding, one of the things that he wanted to do was go into the, he wanted to push a, a fighter into the competition side of like kickboxing or, or, um, well, MMA wasn't really around then, but but more like professional kickboxing and stuff. And I don't think he had anybody that was willing to do that. And so I think that was kind of one of the reasons for things to kind of slow down for him. Okay. Um, so he had all these p- point fighters, but nobody to really go over to that, that side of the sport. Mm-hmm. So yeah, back to the martial arts. Yeah. So if somebody, if something came in, like when Muay Thai got popular, it was like, Hey, elbows and knees and shin kicks and, and, and things like that are, are valid. They work. 
you know, there's no reason why we shouldn't try and use those and train with them. And so those kind of got in- integrated into the system. And then uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu blows up. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, hey, the ground game and grappling is is viable. And, and that's a thing. And we should know it. Not yeah. that we're going to be beating the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu players at their own game, but we should be comfortable that if we go to the ground, we know kind of, you know, we, we need to know something about this. We need to yeah. know what we're doing here. And so we incorporate all of that stuff. And I think that's the mistake. A lot of people who, who talk about self-defense are like, oh, you have to be an expert in BJ. Like, no, because most, you know, most street encounters, you're encountering someone who's never trained in martial arts a day in their life. So literally anything, you know, is going to be more than they do. (laughs) Absolutely. And, and, you know, the first rule of self-defense, at least from our school perspective is to walk away. Mm, Yes. You know, you, you should walk away. It's smarter and it's a lot healthier. Mm -hmm. If you can't do that, then as a last resort, you're going to try and defend yourself. But most of those kinds of things are an ambush. Uh, you know, you're taken from behind, uh, you're surprised. You shouldn't be getting in confrontations with people face to face, you know, generally speaking, but yeah, yeah. You should know what happens. You know, if you fall on the ground and that person comes down on top of you, you, you need to definitely know what the heck you're going to do so you can get up and run away or so you can, you know, defend yourself. Right. But yeah, so all of those things are incorporated and, and the way, my current teacher talks about it is like, if something new comes up, if somebody comes in with this whole new idea of the way things are done and it, and it works, you bet your rear end, we're going to try and learn how to do that, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And I love that aspect of it. And That's cool. That, yeah. I don't want to get so stuck in an idea that this is the only way things are done. Cause I find that that gets you into trouble more often than not. Yeah. And that, like, that's when you know it's a good, when a good teacher is open-minded. I mean, it's, you know, my, my traditional Taekwondo instructor was one of the first instructors in our area to add grappling in back in the nineties. Oh, wow. <laughs> when like no other school, you know, no other school, there was no grappling schools that at the time there was one of the local colleges had a judo club, I think, but we were one of the, the first stand-up schools to add in grappling. We started doing it in like 94, 95. And that was like when the uh, UFC. Yeah, it was ninety three. The first one came out. So yeah, oh, okay. And we we used to get together as as a class and watch that. And so we started adding it in. You know, he had he had actually taken judo and stuff like that, and videos and books, and went to classes. And we started it started becoming part of our stuff. So wow, that's yeah, that's that's awesome. You're only doing yourself a disservice when you discredit something that you don't know about. Right. So talk a little bit about then the black belt testing. Yeah, that's one thing okay. I love asking about that, and especially with a style that I had never heard of before talking to you. So I'm just kind of curious yeah. a little bit of what's involved in it. So basically it's a, it's a pressure test. Mm-hmm. And uh, my, my 16 year old is, is preparing for his right now. Nice. That makes me kind of nervous and excited <laughs> all yeah. at the same time. Uh, I don't know that I'm going to be able to watch it and not <laughs> keep my mouth shut. But so basically for, I would say a good four to six months, me and these five other guys, uh, my, my co-host Tyler and, and three others, we would get together as often as we could outside of class and just work on stuff, just spar. So in a nutshell, what what's required of you is you basically do your white belt test over. 
as perfect as you can make it at a black belt level. You're going to spar a whole lot. I mean, everybody that shows up that is a participant in the school, you're going to spar them. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're going to perform a kata that you may. And then uh, they're just going to see if they could get you to lose your cool. Okay. You know, there were, you get ambushed, uh, you get surprised, you know, you might be sparring somebody and then uh, the teacher of the thing, uh, he'll, he'll point to somebody and, and that's your cue to go run in and, and attack them <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, attack the testy. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a lot of that stuff. It was um, roughly, I think it was about three hours. Okay. Yeah. So uh, the test before that, I thought I was going to throw up, but mm. this one uh, I was, I was pretty prepared for. <laughs> I threw up, I think my purple belt test, I threw up. Yeah. So <laughs> I literally yeah. stopped in the middle of the test and said, excuse me, sir, ran into the bathroom, threw up, came back out and finished my test. <laughs> so, and the funny thing was physically. Other than my black belt test, probably the best test I ever did in all my colored belts. <laughs> so, oh, really? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That like, is okay. awesome. <laughs> Good times. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, um, so, uh, you know, it, it's not often enough that that we test ourselves, you know, that, that we get a, a real challenge. I mean, I, like I remember being excited and nervous to take my driving test, mm-hmm. but like this was something that I had like I, first of all, I'd always wanted it ever since I was a little kid. And I saw those movies that we talked about earlier. This was like, I want to do this. It was my personal biggest achievement for me. You know, um, it, it just, I felt like now I can do anything. I did the one thing that I've wanted to do since I was eight years old. And it was like my biggest, like, I, I felt like I could die happy. Oh yeah. I understand. Yeah. So, so I gotta, I gotta tell one story though. Mm -hmm. So I had gone down about an hour before my test just to stretch and warm up and try and like calm my nerves. I wrote a message on my arm, uh, basically like on the inside of my forearm, I wrote stay cool. And, uh, you know, just to, to remind something else, I wrote something else, stay cool. Uh, I can't remember right now off the top of my head. I think, I think there's an Instagram post of it, but anyway, (laughs) I wrote stay cool and something else in permanent marker. And when I was done, I had sweated it off. (laughs) It was, it was, you couldn't read it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, test is all done. I took two cars down there, my car personally. And then my family came down later, they leave and, uh, I'm just, I'm just completely wiped out. I get in my truck. And I had kind of like pulled around to the back of the building and I was going to, oh, I had forgotten something in the gym. So I went back and grabbed it, said goodbye, jump in my car. I was kind of parked. I took up like three or four parking spots when I I didn't like pull in like I should have, you know. One of those guys. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, I was only like, I was only gone for like two seconds, three seconds or whatever. (laughs) Well, there was a family getting into their car in front of me. So I went to back up and I'm watching them. I'm not looking in my mirrors at all. And I freaking backed into a light pole. (laughs) I was like, okay, I need to. You know, luckily I was, you know, I wasn't even going two miles an hour. Yeah. It was just idling back. But 
it was like, okay, I need to uh, get back on the, you know, focus on what's important here before I hurt myself or someone else. (laughs) But yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, that, that's the story that goes around the school now is kind of like, don't, (laughs) don't back into any light poles. That's funny. Now you had mentioned in the intro, you in the email, you sent me that it was the martial arts was a full family affair and you mentioned your kids. So is your wife involved also? Yeah. So my wife has a test next week. She's going to test for her green belt and wing Dow, which is about half the halfway point. Okay. And then, um, she's also going to test for her brown belt. I believe she's going to kill me when she listens to this, (laughs) uh, her brown belt and modern Arnise. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's really talented there. In fact, uh, the head instructor Blaine is, is looking as eyeballing her to become a, become a teacher in our niece. She's a little shy and doesn't want to do it. I think, but, uh, it'd be good for her. She's awesome. Yeah. So, and then, um, I have three boys. Hunter, uh, is 16. He'll be 17 soon. He's getting ready to test for his black belt and wing Dow, and he's pretty far up there in our niece as well. Okay. And then I have um, Coltrane, who it pains me to say it. He's super talented. As a family whole, he probably has the most natural talent, but uh, that bug, for whatever reason, hasn't quite bitten him yet. He oh, comes yeah. and he kind of comes and goes. He dabbles. Mm-hmm. And then, um, my youngest Tom, who's nine years old, just wants to do everything. And he, he is uh, super into martial arts right now and, and doing the weapons and, and all of that stuff. And, and he's got the attitude and the cockiness to support, support all that. Okay. That's really, <laughs> yeah. really cool. Nice. Yeah. And then you said you had mentioned you started doing some teaching yourself. How long yeah. you've been doing that? And you, I'm assuming you're enjoying that. I love it. If I could do that, I will probably do that until they don't let me anymore. Nice. Yeah. And it'll be a fight for them to not let me. (laughs) (laughs) It's so one of the tenets of, of our style is once you learn something, you're expected to be able to teach it. And it's kind of like, you don't really know something until you can teach it yourself. Okay. And it cements all of those things that you're supposed to know for one. And then it's, it builds a camaraderie and, and an ability to help others. Mm-hmm. And, and so you're kind of expected, like once you have some experience and have a belt, you're kind of expected to show newer students and students that are below you in rank, you know, show them the ropes and show them how to do different things. And so that I just took to that and just kept, kept with it. And when COVID happened, we sort of kind of shut down the school, but not really. So we did like private lessons. And at the time we had two black belts at the school, the teacher, and then one other student that was a black belt. Mm -hmm. And we had 120 some odd students and it was just too much of a workload for them alone to handle it all. So some of the upper belts volunteered to help out. And I happened to be one of the lucky few. And so we all took on, doing some one-on-one private lessons and things like that. And I just never stopped. Very cool. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And then um, eventually I got my own class. And so I, I teach on Monday nights, everybody from eight years old on up to however old you want to be and still walk out on the mat. And uh, it's something I look forward to every week when it comes around. I'm like, I don't care what happens. I get to teach. 
I just love it. That's I just cool. Love it. I, and I can tell just, I can hear it in your voice talking about it. That's something that you know, I, I told, I don't know if I've actually told this on the show, but I know my, over the years, my instructor had tried to get me to teach. I mean, I, I've taught, but he tried to get me to open my own school. So many, I mean, he actually was going to give me a school as a red belt. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he had, well, his other instructor was stopping and couldn't do it. And, and I just, every time he made me the offer, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. It's something, obviously, you know, life gets in the way. Kids, oh yeah. And job and everything. I, I kept saying no and kept saying no. And finally about five, six years ago, he asked me and I finally said yes. And I got all excited. We went and met the place I was going to have the school at. And, and about six weeks before we were planning to launch it, I re-injured my knee. And I, I've had oh, no. knee issues since I was 16 years old. And I went in and met with the orthopedic guy. And he, he basically told me, he's like, I think, first of all, I can't believe you've never had this rebuilt in like 30 some years. He's like, I'm shocked that you're still functioning and stuff like that. But he said, you don't have to have surgery. He said, but if you get hurt again, we're going to have to have a serious conversation. And I had to call my instructor. I'm like, I, I got to think this is a sign. I just, maybe I'm not meant to do this. It's like, oh, I don't, wow. don't want to open it. And then, and then get hurt closing. three weeks into it and not have an assistant or anything like that because it would have been just me starting out. So I, I unfortunately oh. had to bow out and I felt horrible. But yeah, it's something wow. I, as a kid, I always wanted, always wanted my own school and it just never meant to be. So, and that's <laughs> kind of sucks. But yeah, I, I do a lot of private lessons. I get, you know, not as much as I used to. I'm trying to get back into that and I get some people who like to work out and stuff. But uh, yeah, I definitely, I, I definitely get the teaching bug. I, I, I do miss it a lot. Oh, for sure. For sure. It's just, you know, it's, you got people that want to be there for the first, you know, for one thing. Yes. And it's a passion. I don't know that I would want to open my own school. That just seems like a a headache. Uh, I get the best of both worlds. I get to teach and then I don't have to pay any of the bills. So exactly. (laughs) You know, I don't get, there's only one or two kids that show up to class that night. You know, that's, that's uh that's a burden that my buddy takes on. So yeah. no, I get <laughs> that. I get that. So yeah. talk about the podcast, kind of you know, how how that got started, and, and a little bit about what people can uh, listen and, and hear when they tune in. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that always bugged me as a kid was like nobody knew my style of martial arts. Mm-hmm. Everybody was familiar, you know. If you knew about martial arts, you know, everybody had heard about Shotokan or taekwondo or kempo or you know the other schools in the area but nobody really knew what my stuff was about and it always bugged me and sensei blue for all the love i have for him he didn't really talk about the history of this this, uh, style it was like hey let's spar today we're doing this you know um and so you know somebody had asked you about it and we just idea we didn't know where it started. We didn't know where it came from. It was just, hey, we're sparring. You know, let's let's kick people. You know, so uh, as I came back into it as an adult, I had tons and tons of questions about all that stuff. And Blaine Court, the guy who runs the school now, he's a history buff, and he'd been in it. This is like I think he's going on thirty years now. Okay, so he's gotten to meet all of the people of the original school. And not really interview them per se, but but talk with them. And so he had a wealth of knowledge. And so uh, when Tyler and I got to be, we're getting ready for our black belt. We had both had kind of the similar experiences with that. And he is a, a independent filmmaker, and he's made a couple movies and stuff. And we we're cool. talking about what we wanted to do with the martial arts. You know what what was our contribution going to be to it, uh, to this style in particular, and. 
we're kind of spitballing back and forth, you know, just talking like guys do. And, Mm -hmm. and, uh, he's, he's a very much a go getter. Like if, if you come up with something and he likes that idea, he's going to run with it with or without you kind of thing. And, uh, you know, he's like, well, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to write a book, you you know, uh, I'm like, ah, I don't know. You know, are you going to make a movie about it? And he's like, well, I'd like to one day. And, (laughs) and, uh, there you go. You know, I, I'm a big listener of podcasts and, uh, it's like, you know, something like a podcast would be really cool because uh, at least there it would be like a, a marker if, if you know, nothing else. It'd be just like, hey, here's here's our flag. Here's what we've done. And uh, he's like, let's do it. That's great. And uh, I have no idea how to do a podcast, you know. <laughs> so, um, uh, okay, well, um, okay. So I called a buddy of mine who's a tech guru and I'm like, hey, uh, how do I do a podcast? He's like, oh, perfect. You set up an account here and record it onto this device and and uh, I'll edit it for you. And nice. uh, that's how we did it. And yeah. the first dozen or so episodes are all interviews with people that went to our school. Very cool. Um, my kids, my wife, uh, a couple other students. And it kind of grew from there, you know, basically, how'd you get into martial arts? Uh, what'd you start? You know, um, that kind of thing. And then it kind of morphed into life lessons and, and different things that the martial arts has given individuals. And, um, it's just kind of grown from there. I ended up, uh, interviewing different, uh, partners and different styles and things like that. And, and, uh, I, I, there's no end in sight. We're going to keep going. And eventually we've gotten one of the original students. Uh, I think he's a first generation student from the original school, but all of our, uh, from our lineage going back to the founder, Bruce Terrell, uh, all of those people are still alive. So that is the big bucket list goal. We want to interview all of those guys and we've gotten one so far. But uh, they're they're on the radar, and, and we're going to get them eventually. Very cool. And how often do you release episodes? It was uh, once a week, and now it's about every other week. I've okay. got two. I've got one that I'm going to post tonight, forty number forty six, and then mm-hmm. forty seven will be ready shortly after that. Nice. But uh, yeah, we started out with big ambitions and uh, realized just exactly how much work it takes <laughs> with <laughs> with with zero budget. You know. But uh, we're going to actually build a website here uh, in the next couple of weeks. And eventually what I'd like to do, because I, I found that we, we've picked up followers and, and listeners from, from all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, how? Don't ask me. I mean, just totally serendipitous got listeners in Canada and Germany. And so uh, I'd really like to do is have some sort of a, uh, a gathering of, of all these people that listen to me speak and, mm-hmm. and uh, find out why the heck they listen first of all, and, and then just have a party and maybe do some, do some martial arts, you know? Yeah. One, one thing I would recommend uh, that, that's been helpful for me is start a Facebook group, you know, specifically about your podcast and invite your listeners to join it. I, I'm working on getting mine more active, but usually I'm the only one that posts, but then when I post, they'll respond. <laughs> I'm trying to yeah. get them like, Hey, post something, get something going and I'll post something and then they'll start talking. But it's, yeah, you know, it's a start. We do have a small group Cool. and right now, uh, and it's an open group. Anybody can join yep, it. Same. 
But what it is, I'll, I'll definitely look yours up. What it is now is basically just kind of a spot for me to post updates like, hey, we got a new episode coming mm-hmm. out next week or or um, this is what we've got going on today and that kind of thing. And yeah. I go live on there fairly frequently. But um, nice. one of the ideas that uh, that I really like is Tim Hartman. I don't know if you know who that is. He's in New York. He's a, okay. a modern modern Arnese guy. Okay. And he has a podcast all about Filipino martial arts. Really nice guy. I met him at the Super Show July 22. Okay. Yeah, when I went, that was the last one they did. They didn't do one this year, which was a bummer. But uh, he has a podcast, and then he goes live with different uh, martial artists on Facebook, and it's separate from his show. Okay. And it's really informative, really uh, interesting stuff. He always has a different topic different people are on and it's cool. And I thought it was this, like, I thought it was just him posting the podcast on there, but it's, it's completely separate. And like, you kind of have to belong to the group to get that part of it. Yeah. It, it was a, it's a cool idea. I'm, I'm a big proponent of seeing what works with, with others and yep. following that, you know, as long as it's a good habit or a good thing, yeah. uh, definitely, definitely going for that. Okay. That's good. Uh, sounds like it's going well. I mean, it, and like you said, it's it's not easy. I mean, there's I have a radio background, so for me it was a little easier because <laughs> I'd started radio when I was fifteen. I've been doing oh, you know, wow. radio for for decades before I started doing podcasting, and and so I knew like audio, all that stuff was fine, and I was comfortable on the mic and knew how to do interviews and everything like that. But uh, you know, podcasting was a little new. I mean, I knew technology. I worked in IT and stuff, so I picked it up and everything. But yeah, it's you look. There's been over. I think now it's up to like 5 million podcasts specifically like that have come out. And out of those less than 500,000 are actually active. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. So a lot of people start and then realize how hard it is and don't continue. So first of all, congrats for continuing. (laughs) It says a lot. Well, I'm a big dreamer and uh, I get these great grand ideas, but I don't know necessarily what to do after that. Like I've come up with the idea and then it's like, Oh, I just kind of fall on my face. Well, uh, my buddy Tyler is more of a, like he's, he's, I, I nicknamed him the superhuman cause he just, he's a go getter. He okay. goes after it. He's always willing to, to try. And, uh, he was really the driving factor behind that. He was like, let's do it. I'll do it with you. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll go in halves and whatever it costs and whatever equipment we need. And, you know, uh, that, that's where it took off and yeah, it's just been so much fun. Cool. So much fun. Well, we'll let Tyler know. I'm, I'm hoping I want, I'd love to interview him too. in like a couple months out when I have co-host, I like to spread them out a few episodes at least. So yeah, I, I definitely would love to chat with him too. I'll definitely do that. I'll give him your, your number or nice. your contact information and, and tell him, uh, tell him to definitely get on with you because it's awesome. Awesome. It's, cool. it's great times. So then you, you grew up in a very kind of self-defense orientated style and yeah that's kind of what you've been studying so what are your thoughts on mma and the ufc and is that something you're a fan of i am i am i love it Uh, i love the chess game aspect of it i'm torn because i like conor mcgregor Mm -hmm. that who i like who's a great martial artist but he's he's a braggart yeah. You know, he's got a big mouth, but that's what makes him the money. So yeah. it, it's, there's a dichotomy there and I understand that, but, uh, that part of it kind of turns me off to it, yep. but I love the thinking game 
aspect of it. I like boxing. Basically, I my sports, uh, if it's got a motor, I'm into it. <laughs> or if it's got two people trying to beat each other up, I'm, I'm into it. Nice. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. I get that. Trust me. I get that. <laughs> Although I'm not a hockey fan, but <laughs> because yeah, I definitely yeah. have people trying to beat each other up, but I'm just not a hockey fan. So. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I, I don't understand that game. Yeah, uh, I've never ice skated and, um, I used to ice skate. I'm just not a fan. And that's one of the, like I said, I announced sports, but that's not one of the ones I announced. I, I've never, <laughs> I've never been asked to, I mean, if I got asked, I might be willing to try, but usually I'll, I'll announce sports. I enjoy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yes. Now, do you know the rules? Cause like, I couldn't yeah, even tell no, you the rules no. other than I try can and get count the on in one the hand, the number of hockey games I've been to in my life. And they've other than one, they've all been for a work event. Like, Hey, our whole team's going to a hockey game and we're going to feed you. I'm like, okay, cool. But I no <laughs> no clue what's going on. Same with football. No clue what's going on. I, I don't understand the sport, but yeah. I, I mean, I announce soccer. I announce volleyball. I announce basketball. I announced track and field. I've announced MMA. I've announced wrestling. But, uh, yeah, no <laughs> softball and baseball, but nope, not, uh, the other, not, not what, although it's funny about soccer, the first soccer game I ever announced in my life, or actually take the, the first soccer game I ever watched in my life was announcing division one soccer. Wow. <laughs> Completely. I had never watched them. No, no, it's easy to learn. I'm like, okay. And it was. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah. That's right. awesome. So in all your years of martial arts, and I know you, you kind of mentioned some tenets and stuff. So is there one philosophy that you've learned throughout, and it doesn't have to be necessarily from martial arts, but just one philosophy you've learned throughout your life that is just super important to you and the top of your oh, list? Oh yeah. There's, there's a bunch. Okay. First and foremost, um, Attitude is everything. Nice. If you got a good attitude, you can pretty much do anything. Yeah, that's probably my favorite one. Okay. The other thing is like just everyone is fighting a battle you don't know. Yeah. You know, everybody's got their own challenges and things that are going on in their life. And one of the things that training has given me is is the respect for others. When I'm active, when I'm training, things that normally might bug me just kind of slide right off my back, right off my shoulders. And my favorite martial arts quote is the be water, my friend uh, from Bruce Lee and be formless, be shapeless, be like water. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's one in where I'm at right now uh, at 43. That's one that I am trying to live up to. I like it. All right. Who are Three, four, five names you would put on your personal Mount Rushmore of martial arts. Oh, well, uh, Bruce Lee, for sure. Nice. Okay. Uh, and I'm sure that's probably 80% of the guests say that. I one. would say, yeah, easily 70 to 80, easily. Yeah. Uh, Bruce Lee and Bruce Chuck Lee, Norris. Yeah, Bruce yep. Lee, for sure. I just loved everything about that guy. The other one is a more recent one. If you follow boxing, and I'm going to butcher his name and... Vasily Lomachenko. Okay. He's a middleweight boxer. He's from Ukraine, I believe. Okay. The guy is out of this world awesome. Nice. His, if you haven't checked him out, his nickname is High Tech. If you have not checked him out, I would recommend any fan of martial arts uh, watch that guy. Okay. Just watch a couple highlight reels. He's an amazing boxer. He plays outside the box. He doesn't do what a normal boxer should do. And it's just a work of art. It's beautiful. Okay. And then as a kid, I liked Hagler. Ah, Marvin Hagler. Yep. Yeah. And Thomas Hearns. Nice. Okay. And then, um, 
a guy I met at the Super Show in 2022, Harinder Singh. If you doesn't he ring is, a bell, no. Oh, you got to check him out. Okay, Harinder Singh is a is a cool guy. Totally walked up to him as a stranger, and he practices um, all sorts of martial arts: Tai Chi, Jeet Kune Do, Kali. Brazilian jiu-jitsu, just like all sorts of smorgasbord of different things. Mm-hmm. And uh, very, very cool cat. Nice. That's a good list. Yeah, those are my guys. Okay. All right. How about a favorite martial arts book? Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> I got three. One of them's not really per se martial arts, but the Discipline Equals Freedom Field Manual by Jocko Wilnick. Okay. Uh, it's more of a coffee table book, but it's got tenants in there that are life-saving. They're really good. I recommend everyone check that out. Okay. The other one, uh, the book of five rings, Nice. Miyamoto Musashi for sure. And then there's two more, sorry. Tao Ajit Kundo by Bruce Lee Nice. is a great one. And then his daughter wrote a book recently called be water, my friend. And that is, that is an excellent book. Martial artist, non-martial artist. Everyone should read that one. It's great. Okay. How about a favorite martial arts video game? Uh, video game. Any any good ones you played on Nintendo when you were a kid? You mentioned, oh, you mentioned Nintendo well, earlier. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got to go with the old school, like Street Fighter 2. That was a huge one when I was a kid. Everyone yep. played that. And then uh, probably like Tekken or something like that was pretty big. Yeah, Tekken, that I was remember. A, that was uh, Tekken was. I remember when that first came out. I actually worked in retail when that first came out, and we had it on display. I was like, "Oh, this is going to be big. <laughs> this is yeah, really going to yeah. be big." <laughs> that one ate a lot of my quarters as a kid. <laughs> nice. All right, how about a favorite martial arts TV show? Well, probably TV show, probably Kung Fu uh, with with David, David Carradine. Okay. Yeah, I watched a lot of those reruns as a kid. All right, how about a favorite martial arts movie? It's a toss up between Enter the Dragon and Billy Jack for okay. sure. Cause okay. those just bring back, those are just happy movies for I me. Kind, I kind of figured, I kind of figured. Yeah. So as far as the shows, have you watched any of the current ones? Are you, I mean, cause you mentioned like Shannon Lee and stuff and a Bruce Lee. Have you watched Warrior yet? I've seen a couple of episodes okay. and I really liked it. Yeah. I really liked it. Really it. good. I'm way behind on that one. Me too. <laughs> I'm at least a season behind right now. So yeah. Oh, I think I didn't get out of the first season. But it's it's really good. It's I don't if I recall right, I don't think it's for kids. Very, I wouldn't very say so. I mean, my yeah. kids are all older, so I would let obviously my, my kids my yeah. kids are 20, 24, 19, and, and seventeen. So I'd let my <laughs> okay. kids watch it. But yeah, my wife might object to the nine year old. I would say so. <laughs> I mean, I, I also let my kids watch Cobra Kai since it started too. So my, well, my daughter's been watching that since she was like twelve. So <laughs> yeah, the first the first season of Cobra Kai I really enjoyed. Yeah. That was that was a good one. I'm I'm so far behind on that one. I'd have to start from the start from scratch again. I've rewatched it at least four to five times. Every time a new season comes out, I rewatch all the previous ones to up. catch up. Yep, I love yeah. it. Yeah, that's so awesome. All right, final question, and doesn't have to be a martial arts movie. Just a favorite movie fight scene. Oh gosh, oh fight scene. I'm gonna go with the first Rocky. Nice. You're the second yeah. one that said that this week, actually. That's kind of oh, cool. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that's oh, kind of cool, actually. Uh, that is cool. No, that's that's one of my favorite movies of all time, just because it's such a relatable, you know, like everyone loves the underdog story. Yep. Somebody who kind of picks themselves up from the ground, dusts themselves off, and is like, keep going. 
Yeah. You know, yeah, that's it. I'm that's the same. And, and that's one with my daughter in the last two years, we watched all the Rocky movies and the Creed movies, all of them. So it's, they're so good. They are. And I'm one of the few, and I hope, and maybe as a Rocky fan, I actually loved Rocky five. Not many people did. What do you think Rocky five and you know, the whole Tommy gun and the street fight and stuff? <laughs> that one, I, it's been a while since I seen it, okay. but I, lo- I loved it. Cool. Uh, um, I, <laughs> I didn't have any qualms with it uh, at all. All right. That's good. I will release your episode then. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> that was the test. You, you passed. <laughs> good, good. I'm glad. No, I love, like I said, I, and I, I'm one, like I have coworkers. How can you watch movies so many times? I'm like, cause I love movies. I mean, I grew up in a small Midwestern town in the winter. There was nothing to do. To do. Yep. yep. I, you know, movie theater was six blocks away. I had an uncle with a thousand VHS tapes and, and it's like, we, we, I grew up watching movies. You know, I grew up with a small group of kids and it seemed like everyone had an uncle or a friend that had like a, an entire library full of VHS movies. Yep. You know, or they copied it off of, you know, I had one friend that had like two VCRs and we could like dub tapes or we'd record stuff off the TV, you know. And that actually, my, so... my uncles were Betamax, actually. Oh, man. He had Betamax. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was out. That was a flash in the pan. I grew up in a small town. Like everyone thinks California is like 800 miles of beaches and <laughs> bikinis. But, uh, you know, I, I'm from a logging town. You know, okay. it's it's a rough and tumble. You know, we're we're about a about two hours by car from the Oregon border and like nobody, you know, unless you've been there, you don't know about it. You know, everyone thinks Northern California is Sacramento or uh, San Francisco. Francisco, And there's, there's hundreds of square miles North of that, that everyone kind of forgets about. And which I always tell people that don't know, like I'm from the good part of California, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I've never been in, I lived in Southern for a year in the nineties. Okay. I moved out there to train an American Kempo actually. But oh I, wow! Yeah, but I've never been to Northern. Furthest yeah. north I've been, probably like Northridge. <laughs> you know, oh which, my god, which is not oh. north at all. But that's the furthest north I've been in California. So. Yeah, and there's, I have friends in San some, Francisco. I need to go visit. I've just never been there. There's yeah. some beautiful country up here. My I goal mean, is I want to. My, my sister and her family did the the PCH drive and drove all the way up the coast, oh. all the way up to Oregon and further. And I want someday I want to do that. It's well worth it if you can. I have not done it myself, but there's I've driven quite a bit of the Pacific coast highway and it's, it's absolutely gorgeous. I've there's driven some maybe stuff that, 10 miles of it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so. there's some stuff that will take your breath away. It's That's beautiful. cool. I got to get back. I haven't been out. Well, I've been in California once in the last 10 years. I, I need to get back out there. So it'd be fun to hit North this time. And visit well, if you, there, if so. you ever do look me up, cause uh, we can meet up. Absolutely. That would be great. Absolutely. Well, Dustin, first I got, I got to say, thank you. This has been a blast. I'm, I'm glad you reached out when I, when I did the post in that group and, and I, uh, I've been enjoying your podcast. Yeah, I, I will definitely put a link out there when the episode comes out and, and promote it and hopefully get you some more listeners. And like I said, tell Tyler, I'll be coming for him next. And you I just, got it. it's been so, so much fun. I truly appreciate your time and I, I can't wait till the episode comes out. Thank you. Same. Likewise. It's awesome. And uh, thank you very much for having me. It's been a blast and I'd love to do it anytime you're, you're willing. And that's one thing I got. I've never had a return guest you know, just because I have so many other ones to get through, but I've had a few ask me about it and I, I, I need to, I need to think about that. I need to come up with a, a good way because I don't want to have them on just to have them on. I want to have it for a good reason and, and good thing yeah. to come up with some new questions and stuff. But I, I definitely want to, there's, 
a handful that have asked about it. I definitely want to do it. So who knows next couple of years that I might, if I'm still going, <laughs> I'll probably be hitting you up again. It'll be, it'll be fun, well, but for sure. Put me on that list, man. I will do that. But once again, seriously, thanks for your time. It's been a blast and I, I truly appreciate it. Thank you. You too. Thanks for listening to everyday martial artists. We hope you will join us every week for a brand new episode with a different martial artist telling their story. If you enjoy the show, be sure to leave us a review. Also be sure to check out our website at everydaymartialartist.com. There you can find all of our episodes and contact us to suggest guests and ask questions. Again, thanks for listening to everyday martial artists and we'll see you next week.